Hello, listeners. This is Alan coming in before the episode uh, just to let you all know that uh, we had an audio snafu this episode and uh, Magellan's microphone uh, did not record correctly, so he ended up recording on his laptop mic. So his audio quality is a little uh, subpar. Uh, it's not as good as it could be, but, you know, we didn't realize this until afterwards. So the email segment sounds fine, but both the first and second half discussion which are recorded together, um, his audio sounds a little rough. It's definitely, I did my best to make it as audible as possible, um, but that'll be fixed in the future, you know, human error, it's all good, and otherwise the episode should be totally fine, so please enjoy this episode of Prisoner Chats. Chats of Television Podcast Season 7, Prisoner Chats. My name is Magellan, and 6.30 a.m., subject exercises daily with a walk around the village. Daily subject climbs the bell tower, reason unknown. Subject eccentric, certainly watching, waiting. Commiserating, say it ain't so. I will not go to the lights on. Carry me home, constantly aggressive. It is possible that subject likes the view. It's Alan. Wow! <laughs> Carry me There is definitely at least one of those doctors who's a hardcore Blink Blink fan, even though they're literally the members of Blink One Eighty Two were not born yet when this episode aired. But that's fine. Uh, wait, maybe aren't they like older than you think? Let's find out. Uh, let's okay. do a quiz, okay? What? There's a quiz. This is the quiz. Blink One Eighty Two. Who's the main band? Mark members? Hoppus. Who? Mark Hoppus. Sounds like a euphemism for your private parts or something. Okay. Yes, none of them were born. I confirmed it. My Tom DeLong, my Travis Barker. All right, sorry. Um, they were oh, in the seventies. Oh, you looked up their ages? Yes, I did. You were gonna do a game? Yeah, that was the game. Guess how old they are. Okay, well, I already forgot. I just know they're born in the seventies, so I only have a ten-year range. Here you go. Go ahead. <laughs> That's hardly a game. That's hardly a game. Tell me, okay, tell me how old Tom DeLong is. Tom DeLong? Yes, Tom DeLong. But John, I already closed the page. Yeah, guess. You're guessing. Oh, uh, how old he is? 46. 44. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, guess how many kids Tom DeLong has? Four. Uh, two. Okay. What are their names? I uh, don't know. Okay. Tom DeLong is the one that, like, the U.S. government said that he discovered uh, UFOs. I literally, this is crazy. I literally listened to a podcast today where they were recording it just before the like, hey, let's raid Area 51 thing. Okay. And they talked about Tom DeLong doing that. <laughs> literally not hours ago. Tom DeLong is in all of our hearts and minds. And I hope he's doing well right now, honestly. I am freaking out right now. I'm freaking out. What was the, 
Oh, there's been I love I want to do like a compilation of all the Magellan freakouts like the time you discovered that there's more than a hundred TV shows or the time you learned that it was daylight <laughs> the, the time you learned it was daylight savings time. <laughs> oh no, no, don't remind me of that. Oh man, you have you have what I like to call a uh, an Small active mind. mind. Oh, an active mind. Thank you. What did you think I was gonna say? I don't know. Something mean. I, me could never happen. Cut to. How old is Mark Hoppus? 47. 48. Sorry. Fun! Fun. Where was he born? Uh, California. Uh, correct. <laughs> where where, uh, where in California? Where? Sacramento? No. Ridge San Diego. Ridgecrest. That's fake. You made that up. Stop. It's in, it's in Kern County. Along That's Ru- also US fake. Route 395 in the Indian Wells Valley in Northeast Kern County. Do you see they took the uh, Native American person off of the Land of Lakes? Package? I did, and then someone tweeted that my my, my wife only bought it for the Indian. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too. You saw the same thing. Uh, what's Mark Hoppus's nickname? Uh, Big Jeff. Marktopus. No. Uh, <laughs> you can't last. even do that na- that with everyone's name. Mine's like Aloysius. Yours is like. Magella, Gorilla. There's like not every name can be easily warped into a dumb nickname like that. Marktopus. Yeah. Oh my god. Mark Hoppus is playing Animal Crossing. Oh, you bet. Wait. Is he? A famous rap producer and hip hop artist. People are tweeting at him their villages and what they look like. Yeah. Celebrities have nothing. They know, no one has anything else going on except to play Animal Crossing. What do you want? What, what, of course, Mark Hoppus is playing. He's got kids, he's got little children. Yeah, that's true. This is prisoner chats, folks. John, what are they? What, what's the show <laughs> usually about? What do we do? Uh, well, this is uh, Chats, a television podcast, uh, and we always watch two episodes of a cult classic TV show, uh, have some fun with it. And this uh, this season, we're watching The Prisoner, so we watched two episodes of The Prisoner this week. First, we watched episode eleven, "It's Your Funeral," and we watched episode twelve, "Change of Mind." Episode 11 was written by Michael Cremoy, directed by Robert Asher. It originally aired December 8, 1967. Alan, what happened in It's Your Funeral? Well, my gentlemen, I'm glad you asked. In this episode, six hears of an assassination plot against two, but it is the new number two who is plotting against the old one. It's truly wild stuff here, folks. Um, and I want to jump in here right away and ask you, Majan, what did you think of It's Your Funeral? I I enjoyed It's Your Funeral. There were a couple pieces to it that um, I thought were interesting, sort of like latter half prisoner fodder. Um, yeah. I think it's it's definitely in like the top half. If I were to rank all the episodes, it's in the top half of ones that I've enjoyed. I think like Hammer into Anvil, um, it's there's the joy of seeing six like mess with a number two um and also like hammer and anvil it's pretty straightforward uh in that way but a little bit different because we see that that number two and the the leaders of of the village are getting more uh sort of like three-dimensional chess with with number six um it it definitely felt like this it definitely felt like this episode was the episode that belonged after Many Happy Returns, because we watched a couple after Many Happy Returns that were like 
six walking around going, whoa, where's town hall? Oh, where do you make your food? <laughs> Big chessboard. This is crazy. I'm hanging out. And then this episode, he starts, the lady comes in and he's like, leave, get out of here. I'm not falling for it. Bye bye. No plans, See please. You later. Hello, cameras that are watching me all the time. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Uh, so it's, I like that we're now seeing this version of number six, um, more consistently who's just done with it he's over it and his his like sardonic um quippiness is is turned the dial is turned up to 11 on that mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it's really fun to watch yeah um i was gonna ask you first though what is uh what was your intro watching uh ritual this week uh, I know when the when the law the three minute prisoner <laughs> intro sequence you usually like to do something fun. I always start my notes by writing what I did, and, and this time I made some cereal and milk. I actually made cereal and milk, and then I didn't watch the episode, and then oh. I watched it out hours and hours later. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then for the second one, I uh, I during the whole first episode, I was making myself some breakfast tacos, Ooh. Some afternoon breakfast tacos, and. Uh, and during the second episode, I had to polish those off during the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Tasty, tasty, tasty. So to get into the episode, um, because this is a this is your funeral after all, um, we have a different kind of perspective on the show. I agree that it feels like a later season prisoner because not only is six a little bit more aware, but we are like digging into sort of the the bureaucratic structure of the village more and this in the way that number two works um yeah. like the election episode from way earlier in the season we're learning that not only can there be more than one number two at the same time but one can kind of be on hiatus can be on leave um and that there's sort of politics and more than just a simple election um going on when they choose who the new one is and like they don't always agree with each other and they're not just playing the same role they are distinct people uh, and that also ties into the other thing that's cool about It's Your Funeral, which is that uh, Six is, like, not the center of this episode. Yeah. Like, true. it's kind of him unraveling a mystery, a conspiracy, that isn't about breaking him. It's not about keeping him from escaping or anything. It's about um, assassinating the previous number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and the assassination plot is led by the, the current number two, or the coming up, the elected new one who is, as you write in your notes, the grooviest number two we have seen so far. Yeah, he's got like a robe. He's got big sunglasses. He looks sort of like a blonde Harrison Ford. I wrote that he was a blonde Killian Murphy, but I see Harrison Ford in there too. Because he had like the sort of like surprisingly feminine lips. Yes. Um, yep. He's very, yep. yeah. You nailed it. Uh-huh. Just a very like a good looking dude. And um, God, Harrison Ford is very kissable, huh? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it to you. He's got it. He's got it's the rugged chin, I think. No, it's the big lips. <coughs> you think Harrison Ford has big lips? What are you saying? You just said that. No, Killian Murphy. Oh, I thought you were saying that about Harrison Ford, which is no. true about Harrison Ford. Look up a picture of Harrison Ford. No, who is that? I don't know him. What's his at? He's at Harrison Ford. Go look up Harrison Ford, uh, Conan O'Brien. Is what you should do because every time he's on Conan, he is like a classic interview. Oh, he does kind of sure. Okay. Yes. Wow, handsome. Anyways, uh, he's funny on interviews because he doesn't like to actually answer normal questions. He's very shy. Exactly. That's how I would be if I was an old celebrity. Precisely. Um. 
yeah, so basically they're monitoring Six's routine, and one of the cool things about this part this part is the scientists monitoring all the stuff he's doing. As you mentioned in the intro, he goes for a walk, he climbs the, the bell tower. Is the reason he climbs the bell tower just for fresh air? Is there not an actual reason for it? Like, because it's just fun to do? It seems like it. Yeah, they don't really know. They're just sort of tracking his routine. And uh, what we learn is that Six is very... He follows a very strict routine, and he likes to exercise a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. A lot, a lot. You gotta keep his figure. It's it's like a. This is kind of like what would happen if James on James Bond's off days. This is probably what he does. Mm-hmm. Is he goes for long walks? He uh, climbs things. He has a personal jungle gym, and I'm almost positive that they reuse the footage of him spinning on the jungle gym in both episodes, and they just didn't film two different scenes. <laughs> possible yeah you know because that's it's it's a fun set though and uh he does all that he does his little jumble and then like apparently as part of his daily routine involves riding a jet ski (laughs) which Mm. i love to think about just how much the village like knows him and is okay with him doing fun stuff so he still has the same reaction like yeah can i just get a rent a jet ski and it's like (laughs) the guy who's gonna let him do that yeah, it's for you. I mean, you're one of the residents, so I guess so. Okay, and it's not like he's driving it. He's just, you know, being dragged by a boat. So he's not going to be like, go, yeah. leave. Go, you should leave. <laughs> and he, like, gets a coffee and buys the newspaper. He's got, like, a nice little life. And then he plays chess against an old man who gets his ass kicked. It's a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, like we were talking about before the podcast, the thing that the that's really fascinating about that whole prediction algorithm is like they don't get into this much in the episode but it's basically using his habits to determine what he's going to do next who he's going to help what he's going to say yeah uh because he goes to the market and uh he they said he buys candy he's gonna buy candy and number two is like why would he buy candy he's not like he doesn't eat candy and then he comes up to an old woman who doesn't have enough money to buy her daily candy i too need daily candy lady honestly i had a sweet (laughs) i had a sweet and salty snickers bar today Ooh. It was super good, actually. I highly recommend. It's not my chat sim for this week, um, but he buys her the candy as a as a like moment of uh, altruism, and they're yeah. like, "Huh, got to it." To me, so. that that felt like it should have been the episode. So they right? they, they introduced this idea where there's this uh, incredible woman with a cape and a fedora, queen goals. We see just the once or maybe twice, but she's got the coolest outfit I've seen in a while. Uh, she's got sort of like a Mrs. Maisel thing, I guess. I yeah, it's mar- it is marvelous. I've I haven't seen that show, but that feels right. I've seen the promo pictures. Okay, yes. Isn't yeah. she always wearing something like that? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, and she works in this room, like you said, that has this computer that can basically predict what you're going to do. And um, she says when Six goes to the shop, oh, he's going to buy the newspaper and he's going to buy some candy. And number two is like, ah, he doesn't eat candy. Come on, you're computer's broken uh and then the old lady says well i wish i had candy so he buys it for her yeah and then the lady says well the computer can calculate like external externalities and and factor those into the algorithm or whatever she says Uh um and to me that is that is the kind of engaging question about individuality and free will if the things that you do are so routine and so predictable and you can be pushed and prodded in certain directions by external stimuli do you really have free will right 
And could, could an algorithm live your life for you also? Like, yeah, right. Um, and that to me is, is kind of a scary and honestly very grounded in reality version of like control. Um, if you think about like that's how advertising works to a certain extent, playing off of uh, sort of prompting us and prodding us and playing off of particular reactions that we're definitely going to have. And um, there's something to be explored there. And I think the episode kind of deals with that because of the whole getting him involved in trying to prevent the assassination thing. But then it kind of loses that. And then he actually is preventing a real assassination. Yeah. Yeah, I, I um yeah. I wrote about this in my my latest little bit of writing that we have on our Medium page about uh about Hammer into Anvil, but the prisoner at its worst is like following the tropes of modern fiction that was like inspired by the prisoner. Um and that felt like it was just becoming a like mystery thriller or something of like who's the assassin? How are we going to find him out? How are we going to protect him? We got to get the bomb out of here and all that stuff. Where I'm just like I don't this doesn't feel like the prisoner. This feels like something inspired by the prisoner almost. Um, right. And it, I, it was strange to me that they're like number twos going against number twos and that we're just supposed to accept as true that like this particular number two was away for a while and now he's back and, and things are getting handed off to the new guy. I, you know, I didn't, it was odd that that wasn't part of the scheme, you know? Yeah. Like, why Why was it something that Six was able to figure out and, and stop in that way? I, I don't know. I, because I didn't get what the groovy number two really wanted from him. It seemed like all the groovy number two wanted was to get the footage of Six saying someone's coming to assassinate you so that they could edit together the video of him saying it to all the number twos, which was hilarious, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupidly edited. Uh, like, clearly they're in two different shots. It's so funny. So obvious. And then he's like, that seems fake. And he's like, fake? Like, edited? And it's like, <laughs> yes. yes. You guys have Adobe Premiere. It's really easy to use. I know how you <laughs> click the sh- I can see where you cut the shots. Yeah. Um... But if the grand scheme was just to come get him to do that, it's so strange to me. Yeah, and like, why, why put the, why switch out the watch? The one, switching out the watch is to ultimately get him to start looking into it. Like he goes to the watchmaker's right. place. Everything and- makes sense up until the video. They play the video, and then did they think that Six was just gonna walk out and be like, oh well, <laughs> I guess they got me. I guess I'm, or like, I guess I'm crazy and I've always been doing this. Like, we know that doesn't work on number six. Yeah. He's not going to fall for stuff like that. He is, as a previous episode said, like, whatever, rebellion incarnate. So they had a, they had a good concept going, I think, with the, like, if someone knows all of your triggers, like, if they know all of the ways to prompt you to do particular things, could they control your life? I think that that is a really kind of scary um, and real consideration when it comes to individuality and they do that for a while and then they just kind of drop it. And it's like, okay, now we're trying to murder this guy. Ah, you stopped us. So the bomb was in the middle. Dang it. Oh, boy, my boss is going to be mad at me. Well, one of the, the sort of like fun, uh, like thought thoughts to go down, I guess. I don't know how to phrase that any better, but, uh, it's like, what is, 
No, this starts making you question, like, what is humanity then? Because one of the easiest answers for that is like, oh, we have preference and we have taste that cannot be recreated by an algorithm or by a robot. And Mm -hmm. this episode posits that, no, like, by having taste, by having preference, that means that you can be nailed down to something. And we can, like, mark it directly at you. We can predict exactly what you're going to do and want just by mass data collection. Like, that does work. Um, It's, again, this is coupled in an episode that's also about an assassination plot that's just not that interesting yeah i mean something that like i don't know if you ever do this but sometimes i'll listen back to the episodes we've recorded a while ago um just to, just to do yeah this one. i know what you're gonna say though and, but go ahead. um it'll happen to me where i'll hear you say something on an old episode and then a response will come into my brain and then, <laughs> and then you'll say it. I will say it on the podcast. Oh, it makes it kind of frustrates me because of this 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 stuff where I'm like, it's am I exact just thing. Yeah. Am I running on a script? Like, what am I doing? Yeah, it sort of feels like, OK, I guess I'm my personality is just like a, it's just a program that I've been writing the code for for years and years. And there are some things that when you punch a certain thing into the program, you'll get a certain thing out. of Right. The program. <laughs> If someone says a fun, if someone does a funny voice, I'm going to parrot it back at them. Like it just works like that. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, not that complicated. Right. Um, it's fascinating because I kind I want to keep talking about this. Like for myself, that feels like oh, I'm so rote, I'm so predictable. But then every time I try to think about that in regards to other people, everyone else seems impossible to nail down. Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't even fathom like what another person. I can't guess what anyone else would say. I think that like maybe I'm just not. I don't have like the mental acuity enough uh, acuity for that, but it just seems unfeasible to like guess what someone else is going to do and say. Yeah. I think we inherently like pay way more attention to ourselves than we ever do to any other people. True. Where like, I think you could, you could guess at, I think there are certain circumstances where like I could guess at what you would say or how you generally would respond to something. And you could guess at what I would say. (laughs) Um, And if you, analyzed all that with like a perfect powered supercomputer then i bet a computer could figure out if it's like a sci-fi village super powerful computer it could figure out like what you would do in different scenarios it's kind of funny that how this show has like brought supercomputers in now i can i can think right off the top of my head three different times where all of them were false or broken or fake in some way there's this one obviously the the prediction computer that's like perfect but doesn't need like it's not that useful it's like Mm -hmm. yeah we can predict what six is going to do so what um there is hammer into anvil where number two is having all the people like trying to determine the code and it's just like a nonsense code and then there's the general where the general itself is a computer that just punch it puts mm-hmm. out data and like puts out uh you know educational uh, uh hypnotism basically mm-hmm. i think the show has a very specific view that like computers are input output machines that can be used really for really powerful things but are often just can't replace the human touch it uh the other thing that speaks to like the computer how useful is the computer actually was it seems like the only reason that they needed the computer was to predict when Six would leave his uh, watch unattended so that they could break it. They'd, yeah. Like, they, that was always their plan. They didn't need a supercomputer to figure out how do we get him involved in the scheme. They were like, we know how to do it. We just need the supercomputer to tell us when he's going to put his jacket down. 
Yeah, but then you say like, oh, the human touches, <laughs> or like the human, the human element is what's essential to all these things working out. And then the second episode, the scene with the tea and putting the drugs in the tea is a perfect example of like, no, uh-huh. humans don't know how to. They, we literally can't do this right. Yeah, we can't predict anything. Um, but yeah, so he meets um the watchmaker who he finds out is planning to assassinate uh the old number two. Um, and the woman, uh, not the doctor woman, but the woman that's like been his sort of confidant for the episode, gets a name. Her it's that watchmaker's her father, and he calls her Monique. Um, but she's also number fifty. I don't know why they sometimes get names and sometimes they don't. But I did catch that and thought that was weird. That is strange. It's also why is it that a father and daughter are on the island together? Yeah, infinite infinite questions with zero answers. Like the prisoner. Wasn't born here yeah she's not a train baby it's still... <laughs> we just we watched that show last night it's, it, it whips <laughs> yeah it, it's pretty good uh yeah it, it uh this this episode did some things to further complicate this question of who exactly lives on the island like are there prisoners are there warders or is everybody just kind of part of the part of the menagerie but what's the word i'm trying to think of part of the the charade that's the word um because facade this yeah facade charade menage um because they introduced this this kind of fun idea if this was a show that that definitively said hey here's a group of prisoners and a group of people watching them. If that was what the prisoner was, I think this would be a more fun idea to explore. Um, but they introduced this idea when he's playing chess with the. Oh no, when he's getting having his um, portrait drawn towards the beginning. Oh, I love that. I yeah, loved that. And the computer's like he humors our old residents by letting them draw a portrait of him. Um, and the portrait guy tells him that there are certain um, certain villagers, certain prisoners called jammers. Yeah, because they just like make shit up yeah. to mess with the guards. <laughs> That's awesome. They just make up fake plots all the time uh, to wear them out by investigating things. That gives you a preview, I think, of like, or it helps you see how Six is starting to think. Okay, I can use the mechanisms of the village against the village, right? In the way that people like this are doing, where if they're just gonna get paranoid and believe every little thing. And he does that in Hammer to Anvil, basically, right? Yeah. Um, then I can take advantage of them and come out on top. So I just, the idea of there being jammers who are just like, you know, old guys who nobody believes anymore, um, I thought was really charming and a fun idea that doesn't fully fit in the show where I don't really know if there are other prisoners or not. Yeah. But definitely fits... In the version of the show, if it was like an ensemble cast of, you know, multiple prisoners. Kind of yeah, I, I skimmed the um, the AV Club review of this one from 2009. And I try not to read those entirely before the episode because I don't want to just end up parroting, you know, those opinions. Yeah, I usually read them, but I forgot to this week. Um, but one of the things that he talks about is like both the presence of the jammers as well as the whole like assassination plot feels like if the prisoner was a longer show this would be like a season two thing where it's like oh like you yeah. pull the curtain back and there's way more underlying structures here that you didn't think about and yeah, yeah, yeah. in a one season like ep show where every episode is ostensibly self-contained 
I don't need that. I don't like need this much detail. Like world building is very, it's a very delicate art because once you go too deep into it, you leave nothing to the imagination. Yeah. And it, ultimately I, this isn't a show about the world, right? It's a show. It feels like it's really supposed to be this allegorical thing of here's a guy who's trying to hold on to his individuality and his sense of self. And here are the ways that they screw with him and try to take that away from him. And what does that mean for us? And then when you get into like, but the power structure of the number twos is that this guy was on leave and that, and that complicates it to an extent where now it's not about what the show is about anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So that's how that, yeah, that's how I felt about as well about, um, as soon as that guy show up, showed up and he was like, I, I was the number two who was on leave and you've met my replacements and they've been hanging out here and doing a bad job and you told them all they'd get killed. Right. Um, like, okay, <laughs> the, funny, the funniest montage. Yeah. Uh, the other yeah. thing was uh, if we are to look for some sort of theme or idea in the watchmaker assassination plot, it's that the reason six doesn't want this to just happen straight is if the old number two is killed, a lot of people involved are going to be harmed. Like lives are going to be hurt in attempting to create this revolution or whatever. Um, as I understood it, that's what was going on. And it makes me think about like revolutionary action and like the people that have to be sacrificed for the sake of the revolution. Yeah. Whether that be innocent people or like how many bad, how many like awful lives need to be taken and like actively taken and not just like taken out of office. Cause we know that that doesn't work. Um, but like killed <laughs> or like, where do we cut off the head of the snake to, to make it like minimize casualty? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I was really intrigued by sort of reading this episode as a, or reading the show really as like a, a manifesto of sorts. Mm-hmm. And what is it about the prisoner that's instructional for people who are trying to, resist and rebel and the six six is insistence against assassination um was surprising to me but it it makes sense given the reasoning that he gives that like if if we assassinate number two you're just going to punish everyone and like the restrictions are going to become even tighter and this is going to become even more of a police state uh with now physical brutality involved potentially um and yeah that that um sort of a hard it's a hard thing to figure out exactly how far certain like you were saying how far certain actions should go and who they should be directed against and also ultimately the killing of one of the number twos actually would have been for the benefit of a different number two so it's not even always that like eliminating the singular leader dismantles the system because maybe it just allows for somebody else to climb the ladder and immediately fill their seat. Exactly. Like the the whole thing about cutting off the head of the snake is that three are going to go back. Like there is no, yeah. like where is the base that you can remove from power? Because both of these number twos are in some way like part of a corrupt system. Yeah. It's not like they're, we're going to introduce a benevolent number two. Um, but I want to I want to think more about like what does the show have to tell us and teach us and have to tell the youth or whatever of the 1960s about revolution and how to make change happen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I kind of posited in that same uh, Hammer into Anvil piece that what I love about number six is that he represents this sort of per- like rugged eternal persistence to revolution like with revolution mm-hmm. like no matter how much he's broken in his default state he is looking for a way to cause trouble for a way to shake things up for a way to define himself yeah and that's something i think in, in a small way we can kind of look to as a good guide for how to be yeah i, I agree with that i think that's um an interesting read to bring into the second episode as well yeah of just Six's automatic defiance of any authority. Um, you know, can you can you really live like that? Is that the way that we should be living? Um, I think that's a question to really take out of this. Is like, is there such a thing as a as a version of power that you can trust or submit to even a little bit, or mm-hmm. does every every instance of control need to be treated as like, uh, you know, a righteous injustice. Right. Exactly. Is it just it resistance for the sake of resistance? Also. Right. Right. So do you want to get into that one? Do you have any stray notes about this first one? Um, yeah, I've got, I've got a few stray notes here. Cool. Uh, let's take a look. So I, I grabbed a couple quotes from the beginning here. Um, her name's Monique, eventually. Yep, correct. Um, I I just loved that opening scene with Six. The only way that he was looking at her was askance, right? He right. never he never looked directly at her. He just kept circling around and uh-huh. turning around and being like, "Get out of here!" And go away, raising go away. one eyebrow and squinting with the other one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's he's finally learning to be afraid of women. <laughs> took him I, I know, I know, right? But then they get on the thing. We see Groovy number two for the first time, and they're like, "Okay, we drugged her." And then he says, "You see, she's become a lady in distress. He's going to be all good deeds and sympathy now." And he was. It's yes. true. They got him. <laughs> that's that's how you get number six. It's just uh, it's yeah. Just that simple. But I really liked her quote. Um, I'm a number just like you. Does it matter which? Mm-mm. Which uh, was I mean, does her it? way of endearing herself to him. No, I don't. You know, I don't think it does. I'm not a number. I'm a man. Exactly. I'm a free man. I'm a free man. And I, I think that the, I mean the part where she's called Monique is like a split second, like just a father talking to his daughter moment. Yeah. It's not dwelled upon because names don't matter on the uh, on the village. I just I want a reveal where someone who's the mastermind of the village is like everybody was an actor. The part where she said. I'm a number just like you. And when he said, Monique, yeah, we were just screwing with you. Those are ways that we knew we could get you to trust them. And it was all fake. Yeah. From the beginning. Yeah. Um, I really think. The only person who's not an actor is, drum roll, it's Angelo Mascott. What if he's the number one? What if that's the reveal? Ooh. Right? Yeah. That's, sure. why, that's why he just doesn't, he has this sort of like uh, detached look at everything. And that's why he just and carries that's why the he's always in the in like the number two mansion. Exactly, because he knows the ins and outs. Oh man, yeah. that's my mega brain theory. Okay. Um. And then uh, another thing that Six says to her is, "I'll listen just as long as you're as uh, what you're saying doesn't become too obviously phony." Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Love cats so, in the right. She's so pissed at. She's yeah. Uh, um. 
And then she's like, why are you such a dickhead, basically? And he says, many times bitten, forever shy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not shy. I'm this guy was almost shy. James Bond. He would have... If you told me that he was James Bond, I would watch every single one of those movies right now. <laughs> Patrick McGowan. I might just watch the show that he was on. Secret Secret Agent? What's it called? Yeah, if it's just him being a spy, like a sexy spy, heck yeah. It's black and white though. Good. Oh, okay. Good. That's the correct take. I was yeah. I was teasing. Oh, he's Irish. He's, know, he's American Irish. Ooh. Born in America, Irish actor Paddy McGee rose to become the number one British TV star in the 50s and 60s. What? This doesn't seem to add up. Oh. He was in Braveheart? He survived to be in Braveheart? That's awesome. Ooh, that makes me want to watch Braveheart. But then okay. I remember my Also, that movie's bad in like three hours long. Fight yeah. me if you disagree. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> fight me if you disagree that it's three hours long. Um. <laughs> uh, and then the last thing is... Uh, my favorite bit of um, of the prisoner humor in this episode was the thing that they were like dedicating or whatever um, in the ceremony, and then they lift up the tarp, and it's just this plaque that they zoom in <laughs> on that says achievement. Achievement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's very good. Yeah, and it's good. it yeah. reminds me how good the freaking farm work on this show is, man. And when they are, he's like. He's like, just do the ceremony without the plaque or whatever. And he's like, the plaque is the ceremony. If there's no plaque, then they're just going to tell me, congrats, you're number two. Here you go. Good job. <laughs> oh, wait, no, there's no here you go even. Because <laughs> we need, we need like physical things to hand off. Diplomas don't mean anything, Magellan, if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to get giganto brain here again, but graduation ceremonies are basically an excuse to confirm via a piece of paper that something in the background already happened so you graduated i digress we will take it to a brief musical break and we'll be right back to discuss a change of mind Hey everyone, breaking in here just for a quick email read from Alan and Magellan. Uh, we got our breaking two electric boogaloo is the name of the full movie. Yeah, a lot of people forget that. Okay. Remember when everything was electric boogaloo? Was electric boogaloo? Blank, blank two electric, electric boogaloo. Yes, actually, I do yeah. remember that. I can't, I can't no sell your joke this hard anymore. Um. But I can say that we received our very first Prisoner Chats email. Wow. You too can get your email read on the podcast by sending it into chatspot at gmail.com. And this email comes in from our friend Nick. Nick has been on the podcast before and is one half of the Brothers at Infinite War, uh, which is a joke for people who listened to the last season of Chats that you should have done. Uh, And Nick says, hey, guys, I know I haven't written in in a while. I've been enjoying the show, and certainly compared to B5, I have less observations, but I still have a few. I wrote this out in no particular order, and I'm sorry if it's messy. You want to bounce back and forth on these, Marge? I would love to. Fabulous. So first, Nick says, I loved how the court jester guy in Dance of the Dead is holding a small white balloon akin to the rover. I will never see white balloons the same after this show. Either uh, either Nick or his brother... um, 
asked if there was a big white ball in Animal Crossing New Horizons when we put out that episode. And you, there's two things you can do. You can do the big yoga ball, which now I always think of white yoga balls as being the rover. And you can literally get like a mobile of the moon and put it on your island. And that's like, mm. a, it's like a slightly larger that's... rover. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say, I know we like to give the show a lot of credit for inspiring most shows and movies, but I'm curious if the show also started the quote, men in black style suits and dark eye sunglasses, secret agent look uh, seen in the general. That's an interesting one, right? Where did that? Where like that's you know Agent Smith and whatnot, but yeah, and I'm I'm certain it didn't come from this, but probably came from Men in Black suits with dark sunglasses who were secret agents, me, right? Lowercase men, lowercase in, lowercase black, <laughs> just yeah, I think so. But in terms of like when in media that becomes fashionable, I'm I'm not quite sure. I question. well, I think because this show is wrapped up in like post early James Bond stuff and put like spy culture. And I think that mm-hmm. stuff is also where like men in suits being like cool spot, being equated with cool spy stuff. Um, particularly like the men in sunglasses look, uh, that's where that all comes from is the spy movies and fiction, mm-hmm. uh, which this is. I was so happy and many happy returns that I could finally say nobody in the village is a prisoner except, except number six, because how else would the whole village disappear and reappear so easily like that? Only for this to be ruined by checkmate. In any case, I don't trust the cat. Uh, yeah, I'm, I am having similar, <laughs> I think every week, it's sort of my pedantic thing of, of the show uh, to figure out what exactly is the truth there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also... You know, don't trust don't trust a woman, even of the four-legged variety. Mr. Potter. Patrick McGowan. Patrick McGowan and uh, your Alan Rickman are identical. No, no, no. My Alan Rickman is, is uh, Alan Rickman. Oh, it's but my Rickman. Patrick McGowan is like, don't trust a woman, and, and I'm... Don't yeah, trust the similar. bee in apartment 23. 23. <laughs> Imagine if he was in that show. Like, really old and crusty. Apparently, and I think this was Nick telling me that... Patrick Apparently McGowan, he's the neighbor. Yeah, he was the neighbor in that show. No, uh, he's he's no longer with us, but his daughter is alive, and I believe is acting. Um, nothing like major, but she's done a little bit of acting here and there. I'm not interested unless she can do the same thing with her eyebrows. Oh, the yeah, the like sort of smoky. Just the constant one eyebrow raised. Love it. Soft lip, kind of like mm, yeah, it's quiet. Also, in many happy returns, I'm convinced that the language of the Romani was made up gibberish and sounded exactly like characters from The Sims. Before people said The Simpsons did it, but hell, let's just assume The Prisoner did it all before that. Apologies to the Romani <laughs> listeners if it wasn't, in fact, made up. Simlish is a real language and I speak it. Beba babooba sabulba. No, wait, that's Star Wars line. Trend, Trandoshan? No, the, uh, he's a Doug. A Doug? That's fake. Yeah. That's fake. Sebulba's a Doug. Look it up. Uh, wait, but his name is not Sebulba. He's, what's his name? Uh, Watto. Watto is a Toydarian. Toydarian. I'm a Toydarian. I'm a Toydarian. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't do that one. Just, uh, just, but he doesn't say Mikurangu Katangu Sebulba to Watto. He says it to Sebulba. Oh. He's like boasting. He's like, screw you, Sebulba. I'm going to race you or whatever. Oh, so you know you know that language. Yeah, I speak Doug. It's it is Doug. I can confirm that the Teresa people are called the D U G Doug. That's so yes. sad. Yes. 
Uh, I dare someone to bring the sport of Kasho to the dragon's den. Plucky string music and all. Yeah, that sounds. I would love to. I just want. Is that a reference to? Is that a reference to the Canadian version of Shark Tank, Dragon's Den? Is that a real thing you just said? Yeah, in other countries it's called Dragon's Den, oh. but here it's called Shark Tank. Maybe I didn't pick up on that. Good catch. Nick is Canadian, so I'm wondering if that is. Uh, yeah. What that means. He or says, if you're just speaking of a metaphorical dragon's den. They're just bringing it to Smaug's den. <laughs> Smaug. <laughs> Stupid. Those Hobbit movies. That, it's a whole trilogy of movies that are not real. Well, like, well <laughs> Darlene, I can't just name the dragon Smog. It has to be weird. J.R.R., it's okay. You can just call him Smog. No, it has to be Smaug. <laughs> but, smelled, but spelled the same way. <laughs> Smaug. Thank you for sharing the Magoon as Bond trivia. That blew my mind, but I seriously think that he must have been a deeply intimidating man to meet in real life already without also being James Bond. Can you imagine picking up his kid for prom and him grilling you down? I think I would just abort there. Uh, he's so ha- you got mm, He's just what handsome. What are your intentions with my daughter? I just need to, yeah, I need to refresh and look up more pictures of Patty McGee just to, oh, no, yeah, he would kill me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. At that time, especially. He'd smolder you to death. But older, yeah, we talked about this on multiple episodes, but he kind of took on a uh, he de- Isaac He Asimov. develops a, kind, a kindness in his eyes as he gets older. An Asimovity, if you will. Yeah. And he gets a mustache. He actually got a mustache in real life. That's great. Yeah. That's so good. The power to grow a mustache overnight. <laughs> That's him. Uh, uh, Nick says, I mentioned in the sub that the general could have, uh, easily be any other sci-fi show in the 1960s with a rewrite. I'm pretty sure Kirk defeated some androids with some similar sounding logic busting logic busting in an episode of Star Trek. Everything he tells you is a lie. Um, other person, I am lying, error, error, error. It's not bad, but I think it's my least favorite episode. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Where he's like, I destroyed the computer by saying, what's zero divided by zero? <laughs> or whatever mm-hmm. he says. Oh, it's stupider. Three-letter like three word. Yeah, what, answer the question of why. Yeah, dumb, 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 dumb. Dumb, da dumb, dumb. Uh, the sub that Nick is referring to, by the way, is reddit.com slash r slash chatspot, uh, which is a wonderful, wonderful subreddit. Uh, where Nick and his brother and a bunch of other listeners uh, are posting threads for every chats episode, talking about them there, and also while listening back to old ones and rewatching yeah. old seasons with us. In the Skidshood Man, it's just confusing why the rover killed number 12. I can't find any writing as to why this was the one time, at least so far, uh, that it has a kill switch. Did somebody lean on the button by mistake? Um, yep, agreed. This is, yeah, that one of the show's many mysteries. Uh, also, you guys totally skipped over the sudden black guy showing up wow. next to number two. Just to bounce, uh, in Haiti, we uh, would say he'd stolen his soul. An odd situation just to have him show up for that kind of line. Yeah, well, if I did not catch that, as soon as, that you, is as, soon as I read this, I was like, news. oh, God, I remember. No! <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that one. Yeah. That is not, not good. Um, overall, though, the show is great, according to Nick, and it's great listening to your podcast along the way. Thank you so much for the email, Nick. We really appreciate your feedback, your listenership, and your friendship. Um, and yeah, the show has problems, but it's also crusty in a good and bad way. So yeah, that's how it be. 
Um, again, chatspot.gmail.com if you want to have your emails read. We love getting emails. Even if you don't want them read, you can specify that in the email itself if you just want to comment something to us. Um, but we appreciate it. And we uh, will be right back to discuss a change of mind. Welcome back to Prisoner Chats. The second episode we watched this week was episode 12 in our Prisoner Watch Order, A Change of Mind. It was written by Roger Parks, it was directed by Patrick McGowan, and it originally aired December 15th, 1967, which I believe puts us, uh, this is probably the last episode that comes out in this year, right? Hmm, that's exciting. I'm still here with Magellan, and um, sir, I'd like you to tell me, if you don't mind, uh, what happened in A Change of Mind? Okay. I will. Uh, in this episode, after a big fight, Six is declared unmutual and is made to think he has undergone instant social treatment. Alan, what did you think of a change of mind? What, what did you think? What did you think, kiddo? Uh, yeah, so we also discussed this one a teensy-smeensy bit before um, recording. Whoopsie. Oopsie, my bad. Uh, but basically, like... So, A Clockwork Orange, the book, the, like, Anthony Burgess book, I want to call it. Uh-oh. It's time for literature class with Mr. Ibrahim. Yucko. Uh, that came out... He's always inspiring me and making me think that I'm greater than the sum of my parts. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, Alan, my Alan. Uh, that book came out in 1962. That book came out in 1962, and I've never read it. I've watched the film. I think I have a crush on Which that. came out after the like after the prisoner so you know there's it's entirely possible that the folks at the prisoner studios uh were inspired in some way by clockwork orange but it does just feel like all of this brain manipulation repetitive imagery therapy 60s baby yeah is that that is that just the 60s is that just like this specific branch of dystopian sci-fi what's like it just didn't feel that fresh to me because I'm like I've seen stuff do this a million times before, and I know that's like a common problem watching The Prisoner. Is like, oh, everyone picked up on this and did it, but mm-hmm. I still felt like it was kind of an okay episode um, with a with a premise that would have made I would have liked a lot more if it was the first time I saw it. Yeah, like that scene where they're doing the treatment on him, and it's like we're gonna turn the dials on the thing that makes electricity noises. Yeah. And everyone's watching on their TV sets at home, like the lemmings they are. <laughs> oh, be scared, be scared. And I was like, okay, I'm going to look away from the screen now and uh, dig some holes in Animal Crossing. Well, this whole scene <laughs> Ooh, that's good Animal Crossing sound. Thank you. I'm trying to, to it, trying to think of another one. That's me digging a hole. Give us that one again. Nice. <laughs> That's when you throw the, the dirt behind you. Um, so basically, to get into the plot of this, though, uh, we start again on that same jungle gym footage from last episode. And this time, number six's morning routine is interrupted by some striped shirt tough men uh, who are like... They keep throwing striped shirt tough men at him. I hate when that happens. That's what living in Brooklyn is kind of like, though. So I, get, I feel like it's a realistic portrayal. 
Yeah, that's why I don't go outside anymore. There's no other. There's reason. no other reason at all, at all, at all, at all. Um, and so they start being like, "Hey, number six, why are you so rebellious? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have yeah. a gym. We have a perfectly good gym. Why don't you use the gym?" Which, a brief story. Um, people kind of. <laughs> this is what happened to you when you tried to cancel your gym membership. Oh God, no! That was that was I was watching Babylon Five when I canceled my gym membership after I got fired. <laughs> We've told that story before. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> i want you at home to determine which part of that was real and which part was me um no when i my previous co-worker who no longer works with me that's why he's previous um he used to bring his like he had a portable bike that he would bring to work every day like he would bike to work right isn't every bike portable <laughs> no but it like collapsed like you can fold it and put it under your desk it's like super small yeah i knew what you meant i just wanted to be a jerk you succeeded um and he would put it under his desk and there was this like really petty other older lady in our office space who he told me one point like an hour before i came in so it's like seven in the morning and she comes up to him and she goes you know we have a perfectly good bike rack outside i don't know why you have to bring that inside it gets everything dirty even though it doesn't like he doesn't drive on dirt on any dirt it's on city streets she's just it's like sometimes people are just rude like this and want to get in your business and be like why don't you use the thing that we use um so that felt weirdly real to me um and true but uh he gets beat up and he gets taken to the committee center which looks like i don't want to say not my not my therapist's office but looks like a shitty therapist's office um yeah i got like dentist office yeah even better yeah where it's just like a bunch of people. There's a woman crying who we find out later is on. Or the like phone. DMV, kind of like the DMV. Yeah, a bunch of people crying and being frustrated and repeating back things and being wrong. That's definitely the DMV, yeah, or the RMV. Yeah, bingo. Um, and there's like, what's funny about this whole committee reprogramming scene is like a guy comes up to the podium and is asked to like recite and like apologize for all the bad things that he's done and like say them to everyone, sort of like an AA thing. He's not say he's just being told what to say like he's just being given a script and they're like say the words and he's like i'm terrible i'm a garbage man i'm so fucked up i'm so so fucked fucked up up. i'm so fucked up (laughs) now now say you're a big poopy boy who sucks and i'm like i'm a big poopy boy who sucks good job keep doing it and i uh i don't know if i've mentioned this before but uh uh chris straub and uh scott kurtz over on penny arcade tv along a long time ago, years and years ago, did this set of short animations called Blamimations. And um, there was one animated skit that they did, or sketch or whatever you want to call it, where um, <laughs> where it was like Saw, but the Saw person was a little kid. Oh, you've shown me like, this, yes. Yeah, who's like in trap, like trapping his high schoolers. And uh, he's like, no. So you have a poopy butt. <laughs> Deep voice is like, now kiss each other on the lips. Get, get, get each other's cooties. For it's, really, it's really funny. Yeah, it's yeah. just this thing is trying to get people to uh, to like go through the motions of repent and like say you're bad and say you'll learn from this and do all this stuff. Um, Six is like brought before the committee and he's not having any of this, obviously. He's the man and he's like, in, I love the sets on The Prisoner so much because this is like a singular spinning desk chair surrounded by like a round table of judges who are all staring at you being like, why do you suck so much? Why are you bad? And he's like, huh? Huh? What? Hold on. What? Who's talking next? And just like being, you know, rotating really fast, trying to look at everyone at once. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> basically the way the scene goes 
is he walks in and they say, hey, did, did you fill out your uh, like confession questionnaire? And he essentially goes, natch, and rips it up and like tosses it around. Oh, that this so form? Funny. And like eats it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Nom, delicious. Uh, and so because of this, he gets in big trouble. Everyone is like, the one people, one group of people you shouldn't be bad in front of are the committee. Like, you really goofed up there, six buddy. And so he's ostracized. Um, and our new number two, um, who's a, a bigger number two, I like this guy. He's kind of got like a friendly Santa Claus look, um, but like a more kempt beard. Um, comes in and they share a coffee and they're like talking about obedience and the usual prisoner things. Um, but... At this point, I'm just like, okay, where's, like, the hook or crook of the episode? <laughs> like, what's the what's the thing that's going to happen? It's like, we're going to watch Six be isolated from his group of people? Because he's already like that. So, like, what is what does him getting more isolated even mean? Yeah, right. Um, right it right, ends right. up being more of a, like, physical isolation, and now he can't take his jet ski anymore every morning. <laughs> yeah, um, we're going to have to take some of those privileges Just away. a couple. You can't buy candy for old women anymore either. That's that's part yeah, of it. Yeah, you, you can't start, you can't keep doing the fight where you put on all the cushions and then fall into the pool in the middle. Oh my god, I forgot, Kasha was in the last episode. Yeah, with, yeah. the thing with the Kasha stuff, I'll just be brief, is it's really cool, but they just don't want you to think about it like they filmed this and it it's like so much of the prisoner is like delicious fodder for symbolism and discussion and like meaning and the conscious stuff is literally like yo we really thought this fake sport was fun and we just put yeah, it in some of it is they just like throwing fake weird shit to be weird like in the first episode where he opens the door and there are a bunch of people being hypnotized or whatever and it's like whoa this place is wacky yeah and close the door now and yeah. at least that is like, yeah, it's supposed to show you that like, oh, this place is wacky and they manipulate people in a weirdly, really weird way. Like artistically, this looks weird. But the Kasha stuff is just like, and this is how he works out slash fights other men. Like, does he have a club? Are there rule? I don't need to see the rules, <laughs> but do they have uniforms? It's very weird. I like it, though. I don't want to sound like I don't like it. Um, it, it, it did it hit a little too close to home for you when... Um... They were like, okay, the way we're going to get to him is we're going to isolate him. Yes. Yep. Well, so him being like, you're isolated, I was like, that's sad. And then when he literally sits down and people run away from him, that's where I was like, oh, (laughs) no, people. Because it's working on me, you know? Yeah. You feel a little bit, you feel like you're unmutual right now. Yeah, I feel a little unmutual. I mean, at least with our situation, everybody's like this. So it's sort of like the blind running the block i don't know how to do any metaphors at all the, <laughs> i think the thing that sucks more about his situation is when he goes outside to sit down and everyone beats him to death with umbrellas or whatever that, again just just brooklyn but i don't know what to tell you <laughs> that's why again that's why i'm staying <laughs> Um, Everybody's whacking me in parasols. Before there. he's formally declared unmutual, uh, he does witness a man that gets indoctrinated. Just this is the clockwork orange stuff. Like the guy is forced to sit down. He doesn't have his eyes pried open, but the image is thank like. God. Oh my god! Thank God. Remember they did that in Farscape? I do remember when that was in Farscape. I'm going to send you the picture <sighs> of it right now to make you. No! 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 Don't no, ruin no, your night. What's wrong with that? No! 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 Um, it, the images he's being shown are like the rover gently, politely bouncing towards him. Hashtag the rover did nothing wrong. Let's make it trending, folks. 
And then it's like number two, this number two, just kind of like politely smiling, like, hey, it's like he's doing his um his headshots. <laughs> and he's just <laughs> me like posing for headshots. Um and I think this is just a simple association, like uh, you know, rover bad, number two good, like back and forth, mm-hmm. kind of like messing with his brain like that. Again, presumably this works. I really wish I liked all of these like six watches somebody get effed with scenes more. Cause was it in was it in Hammer into Anvil where he sees the guy with the water and he's like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> it's just like not that intimidating to watch people get indoctrinated because we already know what's happening. Like this isn't my problem sometimes with the show is that they should like occasionally will show me a little bit too much of what the process looks like. Yeah. And it's way cooler when you don't show it to me. Like the pink room in the first episode is good because you don't see what's happening. There's just people sitting and that's like, that's weird. But this guy's just watching a TV that's yeah, showing, it's like showing us Jaws, right? Exactly. Same thing. That's a puppet, yeah. you know. That's a, puppet. that's a whole puppet. And they do, there's another effects moment in this episode that we'll get to, but uh, he is declared on mutual formally, and the appeals subcommittee comes to his home. The AV Club review here notes that uh, this entire committee, it says like, the entire committee is notably all women. Uh, there's probably subtext here, and I'm not going to look into it. <laughs> any attempt at like a feminist critique of this, the prisoner is just gonna you're gonna come up very short, I think, because it's just not a very like it's a, not a very equitable show towards its women sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I would say that is the feminist. There you go. That's that's the whole read. Um, and yeah, one of the women who was like weeping in the first office is like now part of the committee, so she's there. Basically, the this and he he, weird, he makes this weird comment where he's like, "You starting to get around?" Yeah, like, whoa, excuse me, do you just mean physically or what? <laughs> yeah. Like, please. Um, this scene where he sits down at the cafe and everyone like runs away from him is I thought of two things. One is some like this is a bad comedian's joke, not mine because I'm a good comedian. This is what happens when you get canceled on social media. You sit down at the mm, desk. <laughs> that's good. No, it's bad, Magellan. It isn't good. <laughs> what? Send that in to Chris Pratt. I will. <laughs> My favorite comedian. Chris Pratt. Is that weird? Um, and then the other comparison was, uh, Magellan, I know you haven't watched Black Mirror, but... No, only Bandersnatch with you, and that scared me. Too scary. There's an episode, it's like probably maybe my favorite episode from like season two. It's called White Christmas. It's got John Hamm as the main character. Um, <laughs> and there's just a moment in that episode that echoes this where he's like trying to go out and talk to people and everyone suddenly is ignoring him. And it's, I, I have no idea if it holds up. I watched it like six years ago, but it's a good, it's a good, ep- I think it's a good episode TV, TV, of TV show. <laughs> um, and then at this point I was guessing that like they talk about if number six continues to be on watch and doesn't improve, then he's going to undergo conversion, which I was like, is it lobotomy? Are you guys just going to do one floor over the cuckoo's nest now? And, like, they kind of do, but it's different a little bit. Um, because before he gets away, like you said, they start beating him with a bunch of umbrellas. And they take him to the, like, doctor's office. And she gives, like, a whole lecture about the quartz in the laser and all the different kids. Like, she, people are watching Six get lobotomized, basically, is what's happening here. Yeah. And then it's revealed later that that did nothing and was fake. Exactly. Because when I, when I saw it, when <laughs> I started setting this up, I was like, oh boy, can't wait for a really shitty 1960s laser beam a la James Bond. Like, you guys, you, you have precedent for like a bad laser beam. And then she's like, it's actually, she literally says it's not a laser, it's a strong light that just reflects off of something. And then, which is, that's what a laser is, right? Is it's a strong light. But instead of it mm-hmm. looking like a red beam, it's just like a flashlight pointing at his head, kind of. 
Uh, and she turns some knobs on and turn, basically we see that she turns off the light and keeps the sound on, which means that he's not really getting lobotomized. He's just supposed to be getting his brain fucked up by sounds. So they put a band, he wakes up with a bandage on his head. It's the classic, like, uh, Chinatown, like, oh, I have a bandage. So now I'm like injured and I have to fight back and all this kind of stuff. And they're telling him, don't touch the bandage. Cause it'll, you know, there's residual damage, uh, in your life. What do you, what do you think is the benefit to them? Of going through that, exactly. Of going through, of the process, of the lobotomy stuff? Yeah, but it's, given that it's a fake thing that doesn't do anything. I think it was supposed to make him think that it did something. But then, what actually does something is the drug. Well, the drug is the, so, is the contingency plan, right? I thought that's how I understood it. I think the drug was the plan. But then that completely invalidates the laser scene. Yeah, they, they basically said, like, the laser treatment, like, he doesn't know that it did nothing, so he thinks it did something. Also, we're drugging him with a drug that does what the laser was supposed to do. Well, the drug also just makes him, like, sleepy. I don't know if the drug makes him submissive. That's what it's supposed to do. That's what it ha- That's what it does to number 86. Fair. I don't know, then. I don't know what the deal with the laser was, because I thought that the laser, the whole thing with the laser, and also, like... Was it them who decided, like, don't use the actual laser, use the sound, or was it just number the doctor doing that? You know, is that what happened? Or the way it's framed uh, is like she's doing it. No one like told her to do it. I see. I think the whole laser thing is fake, and it's just like a a stunt to, I guess, intimidate people on the island. Mm-hmm. If we still think that there are multiple prisoners. Oh, maybe like because that's why it's filmed. It's supposed to be like, look what we did to number six. Like it's supposed, to, it's yeah. more supposed to scare like other people. Make an example of him, yeah, and scare other people. Very possible. Um, by the way, earlier I said that this might be the last episode of 1967. It's not. There are two more episodes in 67. But it's just a big year. Yeah. Um, I digress. Um, six wakes up with a bandage on his forehead, and uh, nothing actually happened. But he later on takes the bandage off and sees that there is a wound but it's not a real wound because he wasn't actually uh lasered and uh the nice lady that's like watching over him i think this is also the doctor right number 86 yeah i think so um is like trying to be nice to him and he's pretending to be lobotomized so he's just like yelling words at her and then he's like rug <laughs> rug i wrote that rug was rug. my favorite rug <laughs> wardrobe um and yeah he's just having fun faking it she comes in, and then the number two comes in being like, ah, oh, this guy's on drugs. Anyways, Six, why'd you resign? And I was like, D- we haven't thought about why Six has resigned in like five episodes. Like, who cares? Yeah, it's still what we're trying to do. Yeah, we're over that number two. We don't even care anymore. It's because... Yeah, he calls it like trivia or something. Yeah. Which is funny because that is what it is. It doesn't matter. It's all about control. You don't actually care why Six resigned. He told you why he resigned. You have his file also. You know as much about him as you're going to get. Like, he's not going to suddenly, you're not going to get an answer out of this anymore. Yeah. Um, and so they're watching him, like, act all aggressive as they start monitoring him. And they're like, does he need more drugs and all this stuff? I like that this whole, this very much frames him like a lab rat where their cameras are above him and they're looking down like, oh, if we put more drugs into it, then he'll react in this way and then he'll fall asleep. And then we can get mm-hmm. him to say this and this. And it's, it's kind of dark, honestly. But... Yeah. Then the comedy kick, the comedy like slider. Instead of her turning on off the laser slider, she turns up the comedy slider, and we get my favorite <laughs> scene in this episode, where um, or it's like a series of scenes, I guess, 
where number 86 is trying to drug number six with tea where she slips in some drugs into his tea and the first time she makes it he sees it because again not lobotomized and very much paying attention uh he pours the tea into like a plant which yeah if you guys have cameras why did this work yeah, I thought the same thing. I also thought that about when he switches the the cups in the next uh, the next round of it. Yeah, he does this yeah. one, and then she's like, "I don't know why. I guess you're still not drugged. You're still super aggressive." These are just such classic gags. Yeah. If this show existed today, you'd be like, "Oh, trophy." Yeah, it, it'd be like he really dumped it in the plant. Like that's so typical. Mm-hmm. And then it would have been something where, like, when they switched the the cups she would have said oh you switch them well i switched them before you switch them so you switch them back so you're poisoned gotcha, goes, gotcha. Oh, oh, uh, and then like what you're tripping 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 but instead he just gets to be hella misogynist and he's like i cannot stand girls who don't he says girls who don't know how to make a decent cup of tea yeah, and he says a woman, doesn't he? I swear, girl? I heard him say girls. That's the sound mixing on the show is up and down, but I thought I heard him say girls, which is hilarious because I've never heard someone in the 1960s say the word girls unless it was like bring in the girls. <laughs> the only context. <laughs> and then number two, when he's watching, he goes like, "Stupid woman! Oh, this woman is going to ruin everything." Yeah, exactly. That's the feminist reading of this episode. That and then number six, like hypnotizes her to do his bidding or whatever. It's all. Right, he ends up turning the tables last minute. Yeah. Um, and then I also like that number two sees them having tea, and he's like, oh, that's charmingly domestic. I think I'd like some tea. <laughs> yeah, that's a Scott, bring me my tea. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, basically, six. now that everyone is like, I guess he's been drugged now. Uh, yes, we did it. We're done. He, we return to the jungle gym, and he, we, the street tops come to him again. And then they're like, "Now you're too doped up. Why are you so? Why are you on drugs all the time? You big dummy." Uh, which doesn't work. And then he goes to, uh, or number eighty six comes to his house or something to check on him. And he now has realized the whole time what's going on. So he uses his pocket watch. I like that six just has. He just has like basic knowledge of hypnotism. Like what? Yeah, it's probably a big part of spying. Is is mesmerism one hundred and one? I guess. Yeah. Um, I thought he was going to get her to report something to the higher ups, but instead he's like, No, I'm the higher ups. So report your, your whole thing on me to me. And Yeah, I also had the same thought of like, oh, he's like getting her to get her story straight, but he was just setting her up for the next phase of her mission. Yes. And he she confirms that the wound on his head is fake and uh what he ends up doing is using the whole idea of unmutualness, unmutuality against number two. And he has the uh, number 86 declare number two unmutual, which is the classic, like, you know, society defines what unwell is. Society decides what unmutual is. And if I can just influence society enough and the high right people to pick it, to pick you, then you're the crazy one. So, uh, you know, basically he's he's taken away and he's like, no, I'm unmutual. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. I would never say a bad thing on social media. And then he falls into the <laughs> And we end on a beautiful shot of my man, Angela Muscat, walking. He's just having a nice walk with his black and white umbrella, which uh, is like, you know, the colors black and white are very easy to understand symbolically, but I totally just read this as like, 
it's all colors. Like we just kind of ta- we toggled the color on number two, and now he's the black and we're white. Who cares? It's all <laughs> fake. <laughs> yeah. So, like, does this episode have something to say about mental health, maybe, um, or like what is considered a societal? Like, what is a what defines a pariah? And like, why yeah, are you? Yeah, no, I think I think like the first episode it sort of straddles multiple concepts in a way that's not um, doesn't fully land because it felt like the first one was about you know this question of like okay in in your individualism could be challenged by the social conditioning of of the group of the community and it's a powerful thing to get you to change when you're like completely ostracized and when everybody around you is trying to get you to conform to some particular set of uh of of actions or beliefs or whatever and i think that that's a really compelling a uh, really compelling thought and theme for the prisoner to reflect on because six is is quite misanthropic um really throughout the series and you know i think it it could have gone a long way to justifying that misanthropy but instead it veers into like, oh, and now they're going to do brain drugs on you and look out because it's spooky. Um, and they kind of drop this like social community thing in a way that I, I think makes it tropier and also sort of loses what you're saying about the like pariah part of it. Right. And like, could there have been something in here about like oh society defined like because it's like we it's like a collective there's so much more to this that we could dig into like books have been written about this the concept of memes literally like every if everyone believes something does it become true if everyone like agrees that this person is bad do they become bad like why 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 have we like defined this as the lines of like good and evil for example yeah. um because this number two is just like all right i guess he's bad i guess that sucks about him because number six knew who to talk to (laughs) it's like really it's really fucked up to think about um and i think you know sometimes as a podcaster and a critic i watched something like the prisoner and i'm frustrated because it doesn't have these like clean narratives that i look for and try to like postulate about but sometimes that's really satisfying that it's not obvious about these things and they're subtle or they are suggested at and not just blasted in our face like so much modern tv does Mm-hmm. so yeah ultimately yeah, I thought both I, these episodes really satisfying from that perspective mm-hmm. but also like this is definitely one of the harder shows for me to chats but i'm still enjoying mean, it's an interesting challenge that i'm enjoying what do you think makes it that way i think part of it is the time period i mean generally like the way that it's just paced a lot slower and you can absolutely get used to watching something like that but again it doesn't like tell you everything that you're looking for I was tweeting something earlier this week about how like Lost and so many other shows owe a lot to this series because, you know, it sets up the idea of an overarching mystery with also like these little mini arcs and uh, different like thematic things that tie into the mystery. But Mm -hmm. what a lot of other shows decided to do is like, let's answer the questions or let's hint at answers and let's tease the answers. And the show is like, no, the answers are literally the least important thing. What matters is what you think as we get there. It's like the intellectual journey about getting there. And that's hard. And you, yeah, that's interesting. But I feel like we kind of, 
push to find that in shows, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the uh, the classic English class uh, argument. Is like, are the blue curtains just blue or are they about depression? Like, the fun of what we do here is that we're looking for all of that symbolism and the metaphors and the, you know, and the big brain takes and all that. But it's so you could also totally watch The Prisoner and just be like, it's a fun mystery show. You know, you don't have to watch it the way that we are. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, I'm not. I just find it interesting, this question of like, is it easier or harder to, to chats than other mm-hmm. shows? Um, because I think on the one hand, I'm finding it easier because the sort of, the unif- I think we do a lot of work to find like the unifying theme of, of particular shows. And it's often befuddling, like how do certain episodes gesture towards a unifying theme? Um, like in Farscape, you know, I think we we did a lot of work to figure out like, oh, the, the theme is about home or, you know, whatever the hell it was. Uh, and, <laughs> but but not, not all the episodes gesture to that. And what's kind of befuddling about The Prisoner is the central theme is so obvious. Yeah. Um, and the ways in which the episodes point towards that central theme are also very obvious but they are not always like a hundred percent consistent or successful in executing what they're trying to do. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, um, I agree. I mean, I think it's a, it's a really dazzling and brilliant show. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it just, you know, you can't get every single episode, right. But I think both of these episodes are examples of like, okay, I get 100% what you were going for and the ideas here are really rich and worth examining and critiquing and questioning and then you veered into this plot that... And then the president's I, getting assassinated and I don't care. Yeah, that I just don't need and it happened in this one too. It's fun to watch him like switch the cups and then hypnotize her and then she's like, number two is unmutual, blah, blah, blah. But that makes it feel... I don't know. Then it starts to feel like anthology show in a way that I think is kind of corny as opposed to anthology show in a way that I think is like thought provoking and uses that format really well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a show. It's a show of ups and downs. I'm really surprised where it's come to. And part of me is curious what those like back four episodes or whatever are like where it's like one, not one long plot, but it's kind of built. It does build to something as I understand it. Um, and then part of me is like, I, I still just want more shows like this that are like, maybe I should just start watching anthologies. Like maybe I should just watch the twilight zone, right? Where it's just like, here's mm-hmm. a little concept that's blossomed out into a whole idea over the course of 45 minutes. Like I truly enjoy that. It's just, it's a, it's hard. <laughs> like you get up, I get up on Sunday morning and I watch the episodes and I'm like, okay, I got to like have my coffee out and get my notes out. And I do a little bit of research. Like this is the most I've had to like mentally invest into a show that we've watched and mm-hmm. I love that about it because it very much rewards that. It doesn't feel like it's rejecting that analysis. Yeah. Because I think again, it's such a unified work mm-hmm. that is trying to do something really concrete in, in what its message mm-hmm. is. Um, yeah. What was, I'm curious what you think like the easiest show to chats was. Oh boy. Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, 
I mean, the newsroom's really dumb, bud. It's like a dumb <laughs> Yeah, that, that we're sort of fueled, we were fueled by rage. I think Freaks and Geeks maybe was pretty easy. Yeah, you kind of like crystallize what you think about growing up in high school mostly. And especially as a comedy, it's not like trying too hard to say anything serious about that experience. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good, that's a good answer. It's, it's comfortable, right? And it's like nostalgic. I think it's easy to talk about nostalgia. Oh, yeah. That's... I think it's harder to talk about um, and like linger on some of the things that the prisoner brings up. It's it's intentionally trying to be more That's what half of TV rewatch podcasts are, by the way. That's that's nostalgia. that's like yeah, and that's part of why we like yeah. to watch shows that we haven't watched before for the first time, right? Is because we don't just want to be like, oh, I remember this, and like we've done that. You know, that was Freaks and Geeks for me. That was uh, yeah. the newsroom for me. <clears throat> I digress. Uh, my one stray note is kind of a my research hole for this week was that I read a lot about Angelo Muscat and his whole life. Go and check out his biography page on Wikipedia sometime if you're curious. The guy lived a very interesting and kind of sad life. Um, his parents died at a very young age and he lived by himself for a while. And when he wasn't finding acting work, he would uh, supplement his income by making ornate bird cages by hand. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's oh a lot. Oh, my God. He died at 47 years old. He was from Malta, which is south of Italy. Um, and he like moved to England at a pretty young age after his parents died. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. And he was like in Doctor Who, and he was in Oompa Loompa and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or Willy Wonka, rather. Um, he was like in a Snow White thing. Um, yeah, he he worked in a kitchen on an RAF base in Malta. That's how he liked to game to the UK. <clears throat> the dude was a cool guy. Also, uh, the best bit of trivia about him, a small group of enthusiasts dubbed the Friends of Angelo Muscat, or FOAM, celebrate his life every year on October 10th. That's fantastic. So, someone hold me to it. If we don't do something on October 10th for Angelo Muscat, then, because that was the day that he died. But, yeah, we'll do something. I'll try to remember to do something. We'll be in another season by then, but the chat's kids yeah, will know. They'll we'll be, be like, watching, like... Uh pokemon probably i'm trying to take a legitimate guess of what we'll be watching uh i think we're gonna be watching uh what's that show with tony collette and all the different personalities tony collette and all the different personalities she's got like multiple personality disorder united states of terra yes united states of terra we're gonna be watching that is that what it is yes good job really great dude Okay. That's why I'm a TV critic, huh? 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 Do you have any stray notes on this episode, bud? Not really. I didn't take a lot of notes on this one. Well, um, I wasn't sure if it was second episode syndrome or if this one I just wasn't as interested in. I'm, like, I'm not crazy. I think when I was younger, lobotomy stories used to, like, whoa, freak me out. Yeah. Um, like the ending of 1984. Yep, 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 yep. When it's like, oh, the rat's on his face and now he doesn't care about anything anymore. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but they are not as engaging to me as they used to be. Uh, so I didn't take a ton of notes on mm -hmm. this one. Um, I just thought it was kind of, kind of fucked up, but cool that he hypnotized number 86 and used the whole unmutual thing to... Uh, essentially sick a mob on number two he really he really did a judo mm -hmm. maneuver on the, mm -hmm. the workings of the island he's that's why he's the king man king man 
That's why he's the Kingman Secret Service. Yeah. I'm curious what we're watching next week on Prisoner Chasm. Can you tell me while I sip this delicious tea? I'd love to tell you what kind of tea. I think it's jasmine. Mm. I have to Google what it is in English because I know what it is in Arabic. Oh, it's anise. Mm. Even better. Delicious. It's very good. Well, speaking of very good, we're about to watch two very good episodes of The Prisoner, maybe. Oh, shit. Maybe. Maybe, oh, shit. Uh, they are episodes 13 and 14. So we only have... Well, we have four episodes of Prisoner Chats left, but we have only five episodes of the show. Oh, snap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we're going to watch that remake, remember? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Heck yeah. Okay. Uh, so episodes 13 and 14. First, episode 13, Do Not Forsake Me. I think the full title is Do Not Forsake Me, Oh My Darling. Yeah, so, it's being cut off on Amazon. I don't know why. It's being cut off on Amazon. Uh, with his mind transferred to another body, Whoa. number six wakes up in his London flat and can't convince his colleagues who he is. He takes off to Austria to find the one man who can help him. The person number two wants him to find. Whoa. Adolf Hitler. Weird. Wait, hold on. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. oh my God, the next one. Oh my God, the next one. John, read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode 14, Living in Harmony. Number six finds himself in the middle of a Wild West version of his imprisonment. Yes, 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 yes. We're almost <laughs> done with the show. It's time to get stupid. Let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah, it seems like these aren't necessary. I remember reading somewhere that originally there were only like five episodes of The Prisoner planned. Oh. Uh, and <laughs> these definitely were not. And then they were like, we have to five. build up to the cowboy episode. We simply have to. It was something like Arrival, Chimes of Big Ben, A, B, and C, something else, and the so fallout probably yeah well the fa- fallout i think was written like the day before they shot it or something excuse me <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy it was written i think within two days before they shot it all right south park <laughs> they south parked yeah. it yeah fun 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 well let's take it to the plug zone then John. let's do it can i do it yes you can um okay so if you uh, want to get in touch with us, you can do that in a number of ways. You can, of course, email us at chatspod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at chatspod, and you can message us there or tweet at us there. Uh, you can also find the show. Uh, well, you found it, so maybe I don't need to tell you. Chatspod.simplecast.fm is where we're hosted. All of those are spelled C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. Uh, and then if you'd like to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash chatspod. And uh, there are a number of tiers in which you can support us. One dollar a month gets you our gratitude. <laughs> and maybe there are some other things that we might start putting up there um, that are accessible to people who are at a dollar a month. Uh, I should have put out one such thing on Friday. I'm not going to tell you what it is in case I didn't do it. But if I did do it, go check out the Patreon and maybe there's something special there for all patrons. At $3 a month, you get access to the bonus content of the month. So we're about to launch into, pretty soon, the content for the month of May. Um, I think we can announce now what it is, right? Yes, sir. So the first Saturday in May, you're going to be getting a commentary chats for the classic 2005 superhero high school film, Sky High. Uh, then... In the middle of May, you're going to be getting us pilot chatsing the 1996 uh, miniseries of Pride and Prejudice. And then on the 30th, I believe, the last Saturday of the month, you're going to get us commentary chatsing one of my uh, sort of comfort food faves, 
2001's A Knight's Tale. So Very fun big, stuff. Big movie month for, uh, for the Patreon. People are in. They want to watch films. I get it. Yeah. And then, of course, $3 also gets you access to our, our backlog. So that's that's all there. There's a lot of stuff there. I didn't mention this one just briefly while we're still in Plug Universe. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the direct link, but the aforementioned Medium page where we're writing about the prisoner and we have been writing about the prisoner for the last two weeks. Um, it can be found at our Twitter, the twitter.com slash chatspot. It's the pinned tweet, um, which has a link to the last one. Um, I'll be updating that. I don't know how to, I don't like think it's medium.com slash chatspot. I have no idea, but just check out the medium. It's on our Twitter. If you want to read us our words about the prisoner. Yeah. That's where we'll be when, when uh, the spirit strikes us, we'll be sort of expanding on things that we talked about in this episode. If one or both of us, want to reflect on a particular episode of the prisoner so yeah. you can see those things there uh, and then you can also support us at five dollars a month which gets you extra gratitude uh but uh everything's available at three if uh that's what you prefer those are the plugs alan what uh, is your chat for this week yum 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 uh Magellan and i watched a film together last night speaking about watching films this one was not for a commentary chat but it was for a commentary with my friend yeah it was for us just being buds uh, we watched 2013's um, Bong Joon-ho directed Snowpiercer, which I had not seen before. I know I'm a little late to the party. The movie was talked about a lot at the time, and it just kind of passed me by because I saw I thought, Korean director, American film, why doesn't he just do this? And then it turns out he made Parasite, and I loved it. And <laughs> and then I was like, well, this is also capitalism equals bad, and I'm always a sucker for that kind of plot line. So sure. And... While it is, like, there are, like, capital T themes, ultimately Snowpiercer is a very fun, very well-shot action movie that has, like, some things to say. And I think it's really enjoyable. And also he, like, rides on a big bunch of, like, (laughs) a bunch of pieces of metal, like, through a train and, like, kicks a bunch of dudes with fake guns. It's dope. It's, like, it's dope. And also you're like, huh, interesting. Which is also they're putting out a a uh, Snowpiercer show, which we didn't know until we watched the movie. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to be caught up, or I guess caught up, whatever. If you want to be ahead of the game a little bit, you can watch that. Um, and I I looked it up, and I think it's they're adapting the same source material, but it's created by different. People. Oh, okay. Because I know, yeah, the the Parasite show is like, Bong Joon Ho definitely gave his thumbs up on that and wanted it to happen, but I have no idea what the um, with the other one. Also, can I do a second chat? Am I allowed? Yeah, I was going to do two, so you should do that. So, while you're already on Netflix, if you are on newest Netflix and you can watch the Snowpiercer there, um, you may notice that Netflix just put out an original series that's a update of Ghost in the Shell standalone complex called Ghost in the Shell SAC 2045. That's not my chat because I've heard it's really bad. You should watch original Ghost in the Shell. I think I've already read Chatsum did, so you could call this a re-Chatsum, but it's fine because everything, whatever. It's such a good show. I just finished it last week, y'all, the first season of Standalone Complex. If you want, like, just good anime cyberpunk, probably the best anime cyberpunk that exists, Standalone Complex Season 1, it's so fucking good. It knows what it wants to be. It's sick. It's smart. It's funny. It's beautiful. You should watch it. I don't know how you plan to watch it. It's kind of hard to find streaming these days, but you should watch Standalone Complex. It's very good. Subbed or dubbed, I don't care. It's the good anime. It's the good, creamy goodness. And you should watch it. Don't watch this new one. <laughs> this new like 3D CG one it looks terrible. Don't watch that. John, what's your chat? Some of this, right? Well, I have 
I have a few actually. I, 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 so I'm just going to do a few here. Um, I a couple of video games because I that people should revisit if they didn't catch or if they want to revisit them. Because uh, I've been playing my new Xbox and just you know gaming it up. And so uh, I have actually three games oh, to boy. recommend. Oh boy. And the games <laughs> so i played through all of super hot Ooh. Uh, and it creeped me out big time i could only play it when there was uh, light outside and i could only finish the game when i was on a call with our friend jim uh, because it just uh, got really existential and scary but uh it's a great game it uh the game at the end told me to say that it's one of the most innovative shooters i've ever played so uh that's the truth and yeah, if you have a console, I played a little bit of the VR version back in 2016 when it came out. Um, it's different than that because you like can move around. Basically, it's a shooter where time only moves when you move. Um, so you can like shoot and, a bullet, but then the bullet only goes forward when you start walking, but also everyone else's bullets move forward. And right, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. You can look up like gameplay footage of it, but it's a really clever way of doing a shooter. I think. Yeah. And uh, if you have an Xbox, it's on Game Pass. Uh, so you can just use your Game Pass and get it, play it, get rid of it, which feels like the right way to play that game. Um, another game that I purchased because I just love it so much I haven't played it in a little while is uh, Overwatch. Ooh. I'm just an Overwatch fan. It really scratches that itch, that fighting game scratch. Yeah. Uh, it's like a combo of the itch scratched by fighting games and Halo, mm. where you get to—I mean—you get to pick from a roster of characters, and everybody has their own feel and style. And I just enjoy um, mm. the inventiveness of like, oh, I thought they'd made all the characters they could make, and now I haven't played it in a while. And there are like five new characters that I haven't played, or totally brand new ideas of how shooters can work. And they all exist in the same game. And it's like, you could have made 22 games that were like all these different characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's really fun. And then uh, the other game that I actually played for the first time yesterday. Uh-oh. With you and Jim. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, we, played, we played a little Fortnite. We did it. All the teens are playing Fortnite. Let me tell you, they're playing it because it's a good game. Wow. Wow. They're playing Fortnite because it's a good game. Also, it's available on literally everything you own. It's available on every platform. It's cross-play. So I was on Xbox, Jim was on PS4, you were on the PC, and we could all play together. Which is fantastic. And it was free. Yeah. And it was fun. Yeah. Battle Royales are super fun. They can be a little stressful, but they're also quite fun. When you have like people getting on voice together and chatting and... Yeah, yeah. run around. Strategizing together and stuff, yeah. You're like, oh, there's a guy on my six, and then you shoot the guy, and then he dies, and you go, wow, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> also, Jim and I went to the Travis Scott concert in Fortnite. Hell yeah. By the time you were listening to this, that was like uh, Wow, it was cool. Oh, my yeah, God, you should look up, awesome. People should look up videos of that, specifically the Travis Scott concert within Fortnite is so Watch psychedelic it. and weird. Wow, it was cool. Yeah. Um, it blew my mind that concerts in games can be a thing yeah you know 
I mean, it's not really a con, you know, it's not a concert, but I guess it's a concert because you're there with other people, right? Yeah, you're watching it and live. And you kind of get to run around, and the really fun thing was that there's a part where, like, the whole stage gets flooded, and now you're swimming through this beautiful water thing, and then suddenly you're in outer space. And I wouldn't spoil the whole thing for you, because it gets kind of, it's like 10 minutes long. It's yeah, so, yeah, but yeah. there's so much stuff happens in those 10 minutes. Take, take the ride, take the ride. Um, and then the last thing I'll chat, so it's not a game, it's an experience, which is, um, Yesterday morning, I got on the phone with Alan on a FaceTime call. That's me. And he taught me how to make French toast. Oh, what? And so we both made French toast at the same time we made our French toast. And we said, okay, bye, talk to you later. And um, it was great. If you want to learn how to cook something that someone else knows how to cook, instead of watching like a video online. Get this Bon Appetit out of here. Get this yeah, Epicurist out Rachel of here. Rachel Ray's in her home. Yeah. Uh, just call up a friend or a family member and have them teach you over the, over FaceTime how to cook it. It's fun. It's really fun. I was going to show you how to make omelets this morning, but I woke up late and then I didn't make omelets. I instead ate. That's okay. Eggs. We can do it next weekend. We'll do, yeah, we can do omelets next weekend. But yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff, dude. Very fun stuff. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Natch. Natch. As they say. Uh, well, that about does it for Prisoner Chats everybody thank you so much for listening be seeing you